Welcome back to Big Dog's Porch. Come on up, grab a seat, and uh, let's get talking. So last episode, the very first episode, I basically talked about what I want to talk about in on my podcast. And as we go along, we're probably going to sit there and broaden it a little bit more. And, and maybe on a daily basis, we'll talk about more things, different things than uh, than just the two main topics that I want to talk about, which is, of course, the uh, weight loss and chasing your dreams, which has a lot to do together for me. Listened back to the first episode and realized that I never formally introduced myself. All I said was, This was Big Dog and it's my porch. Uh, I didn't even say that, but it basically, you know, hey, this is Big Dog's porch. So my name is Reinhardt. I'm a 52-year-old man with four kids, three grandkids, been married for 30 years with the same woman for 32, and married to her for 30. Said that backwards. Lived in Virginia my whole life, except for four and a half months down in Atlanta. Have traveled a little bit. My mom is from Germany, so I've been over to Germany a couple times. Have been out to Vegas a couple times for business, been out to Utah, been up to Boston for business. But I want to go, I want to travel more. I, I think that's just, I don't know, man. It just, there's just something about it, right? Going and meeting new people. I'm a people person. Always been a people person. I make you ask my wife, and it's, she'll tell you I ain't never met a stranger, and that's true. You can ask a lot of my riders that get in the car. Even in as short as a ten minute ride, they they get out and they leave comments that hey, this was awesome ride, great conversation. Wish the ride was longer, things like that. I love talking to people. I believe talking to people, you can learn a lot of things. You never know where your next teacher, so to speak, is going to come from. You, you don't. I always told my good friends, there are two things you got to look for in life. You got to look for a teacher. And, and, and you'll usually find a teacher in in areas that are lacking in your life or areas that need attention. And then you need to look for a student. Because as I said in the first episode, knowledge isn't for hoarding. Knowledge is for sharing. Knowledge helps the whole community grow. So I um 
I, I think that traveling around to and meeting people in different parts of the country and getting to talk to them like I did when I was down in Atlanta and like I said, you know, they, they were, those people really inspired me because they had a strong, strong hustle game. And not every single one of the people that got in the car, but a lot of them met some really interesting people. You know, I had professors from Spellman, uh, Moore, is it Morehouse is down there? Um, uh, Georgia Tech, uh, Kennesaw, Emory University, uh, you know, students from all of those. I've actually had uh, top business leaders in my car from dropping their car off to get worked on. I've had military people up here where I'm in Virginia. It's a huge military area. So I've, I've had a gambit of people. And it's been great because I've been able to have some good conversations with people. I had a professional basketball player in my car here in Virginia. Now, he played basketball in Europe. He didn't play in the NBA. He played in Europe. But it was still awesome. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, dude, come on. You know, I love basketball. I prefer college basketball over the NBA. I think the NBA is too much of one-upsmans. You know, like, oh, you just you know, showed me up. So I got to run down the court and show you up. Whereas college basketball is a little bit more about the original concept of team. But all those people, you know, and, and, and seeing that I want to drive Uber in the different countries so that I get that chance to, to meet people. I'm not a big crowd person. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are certain situations where I don't mind a crowd, but I, but I've never been one to hang out at bars. Uh, I'm 52 years old. I've been drunk three times in my life. I always I tell people in my car when I when we talk about those things, they can't believe it. They're like, "What? You've only been drunk three times in your life at 52?" And I was like, "Yeah." Well, each time I got drunk, I lost something. Now, it was returned to me, but it is still. First time I got drunk, I lost my wallet. Somebody found it, brought it back to the house. I was still living with my parents because I was underage. And my mom got upset with me, not because I was drinking. Hell, my mom's from Germany. Drinking is not a sin to us. But the fact that I did it and tried to hide it. That's what I got in trouble for, was the deception part, you know? The second time I was at a concert, and I had lost my shoe at the concert, because I got a little bit lightheaded, so the security guards at the front, because I was right in the middle at the front, they pulled me out, and somebody had grabbed a hold of my leg, and as they pulled me off, their arm slid down and got my shoe off. Now... After the concert, probably the only time that I shouldn't have been driving and I did drive 
we're pulling out of the Hampton Coliseum parking lot. As we're pulling out of the parking lot, and I swear to God, this is the God's honest truth. There's a shoe laying right in the middle of the parking lot. So I stop, open up the door, reach down and grab the shoe. And it is my shoe. <laughs> I, I'm, dude, I'm telling you, I wish you could see this hand raised to God. I'm telling the God's honest truth. That was the second time. And I think it got helped me get home safely because we was laughing so much that, you know, it helped get me, put me in a more aware state. And I'm not making excuses for driving in that condition. And don't get me wrong, I, I sweated a good portion of it out because you know how concerts are, rock and roll concerts of the 80s. You know, a lot of people, close bodies together, it gets very extremely hot and and, you know, I sweated a lot of it out, but still, it wasn't all metabolized. I probably, if I would have got pulled over, it would have probably rang past the legal limit. And by the grace of God, I got home. And that's the last time I've ever driven drunk. Or under the influence. The third time I got drunk, I lost my life. And symbolically, not literally, okay? Third time I got drunk, I got my wife pregnant with my oldest daughter. And the person that I was before that moment would not have been a good father. So that person had to die. So that a new person could be the father that my daughter deserved. Now, you talk to my daughter and she thinks I was a mean old monster. You talk to all my kids and they all think I was a mean old monster too. I was I was strict, I was tough. With my boys, I was slightly absent. Uh, I was really starting to get deep into the depressive state and I escaped a lot on my computer, played computer games, other stuff that we will talk about because I still love playing computer games. In fact, I was doing a little bit of my online crack before I started this episode. Yes, my online crack is WoW, World of Warcraft. I will wait for you to stop laughing. Okay, that's enough. Calm down now. But I, I play other games as well. I'm, I'm a big Blizzard fan. I, I love Diablo. I love StarCraft. I love Hearthstone. Not so much Heroes of the Storm. And, and Overwatch is a first-person shooter, and I'm not big on first-person shooters. So I play League of Legends. And I play several uh, games on my phone. Uh, I'm a big Capcom, uh, not Capcom, what is it, uh, who does Clash of Clans? I do Clash of Clans, I do, and I'm talking about the company, Who do, I forgot who does them. Uh, I do Clash of Clans, I do Clash Royale, I do Brawl Stars, all three by the same company. Um, 
And then, of course, I have Hearthstone on my phone. So when those three are down, and then I have a smattering of other games that I'll pick up and I'll play for a little while. And I get bored of them. I get rid of them. Those three are the, the main three, Well, in Hearthstone being the fourth one. But all that, you know, has been things that, you know, have, have taken time, right? The procrastination that we talked about last episode, wasted time, wasted energy. You know, Gary V sits there and says, what are you doing? You know, I mean, if, if you're not wasting your time on bullshit, so to speak, and putting the effort in where the effort needs to be, and don't get me wrong, I'm not going to give up playing my computer games. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to give up watching movies with my family when you know when we all get together and watch movies like at christmas time the other night we watched grinch uh my youngest daughter who who's in okinawa right now her husband's in the air force and they're stationed over there she loves the uh, white christmas the old one with bing crosby and danny Kaye. Uh, great movie i love it as well i I, f I find myself i love a lot of the older movies don't get me wrong new movies are great but I find myself really liking the the older movies. Uh, my favorite actor is Cary Grant. Uh, I think he was just awesome. But when people get in my car or I'm talking with people in other situations... A lot of times it'll be when people get in my car because that's where I meet most of the people nowadays. I, I laugh when they say I don't have time. We all have the same amount of time, right? So what is the difference? It's the usage of the time, right? You're going to give time to th that what you value. So what is it that you value? You know, I've valued my family. I valued my kids. I valued the computer games. I gave that a lot of times and a lot of value to that. At that time of my life, not so much anymore. I still play about an hour or so, maybe two. And some days I will veg out in the computer room. We have a room for our, you know, for the computer. And I will. I'll veg out for four, five, six hours. And I've even thought about, and I might still do it, utilizing that maybe and stream on Twitch. You know, watching me play the games that I love to play. But I, I don't know if, if I want to sit there and, and do that. Eventually, you know, I, I want to get um, a camera set up for when I do this podcast. And maybe start dropping videos on YouTube about it. You know, about with this podcast. Putting snippets up on other social media, you know, to get the word out more. 
you know, but it it's my my dream, my goal is, you know, is to is to take this podcast and to get it to a big enough level that other big name podcasters know who I am. That's my goal. That's my dream. I want to get it to the point where eventually I can bring people on and talk to them. You know, have guests on the porch with me, kicking back, sipping on some lemonade, maybe sipping on a glass of bourbon, smoking a cigar. If they're bourbon drinkers, cigar smokers. Maybe drinking some iced tea. I'm a good old southern boy. But who, you know, that's what I want to get it to. I, you know, I told my wife the other day, I says, I want to build my podcast up to the point where Joe Rogan, who I respect the hell out of what he's done with this podcast. I mean, he talks to anybody and everybody and all about things that he is interested in. And I ultimately want to get to that point as well. But I have to start from where... I can start from, you know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't know where he started from. I'm sure he started probably, you know, from a point dealing with his UFC commentary and, and his comedy so that he had that point, starting point to start from. And me, I, I have this, this battle that I'm fighting and it's a common battle that we all are fighting. The, the 95%. The ones who go to work every day, most of us are not happy. Most of us look at the people who are successful and wonder what they're doing different than what we are doing. And I, I have been blessed in my life to have been around successful people and gleaned information. I just never put it into action. And as I said yesterday, all it takes is a decision. But a decision is only truly a decision when the action follows the decision. Yes, yesterday, did my first episode, uploaded it today. Doing my episode today, I'll upload it tomorrow. And I'm going to continue on there and... And what I'm thinking in my view of what I want to do is, you know, you know, Mondays, I really want to be, you know, motivational. You know, going back to one of the reasons why I started this. So I, I remember many years ago, I read a statistic. Do you know when most suicides happen in the United States? Time-wise, what I'm talking about. Day-wise, most suicides in the United States happen from Sunday around 7, 8 p.m. to Monday morning, 6, 7 a.m. Why is that? Because people don't want to go back to work on Monday. Look at most people. I remember I used to drive in, in this area here. In where I live in Virginia, 
Most places, like Atlanta, Monday night sucked. Unless there was a sporting event, you just stayed home on Monday night. You didn't go out. It just it wasn't worth it. I mean, you might go out in the morning time because there's a lot of business travel. You might be out in the evening time because there's a lot of people going home and stuff like that. But you didn't go out at night. And I'm primarily, I like the nighttime. As I joke with my riders, I'm a night owl or I'm a vampire. Whichever one doesn't freak you out. But I used to tell people all the time, they'd ask me, like, why is Monday so good here? I says, well, because Monday nights you got... One of three types of drinkers. You have what they call out here the industry drinkers. They're the ones who are the bartenders, the waitresses that have to work the weekend because they're usually the best for that company, right? So they don't get Fridays and Saturday nights off. They get Monday night off, so they drink. And then Thursday night before they have to work the weekend, they usually get off. So Thursday night's also a semi-big night out in, in this area. But Monday night, so you got the industry drinkers. That's that's group one. Group two is the, the guys who sit there and just wish the weekend was one day longer. Because <laughs> they didn't get enough of the weekend, right? Or the third type of drinker is the one who went to work Monday, realized how much he hates his job and hates his life. And he's got to get drunk. And that's what he does on Monday night. I've had bartenders from the area get in my car, and when I say that to them, they go like, you are absolutely right, because there's a lot of angry drinkers on Monday night in my bar. And I'm like, that's, yeah, that's just, that's the way it is. And it's just because I get those people in my car, and I hear them bitch from the time they get in my car to the time I drop them off. And it's not about... Anything, you know, it's just, you know, bitching in general. Like, you know, my boss is a this or, you know, oh, my job, bliss, blah, you know. Just like regurgitating all that stuff, right? And I'll always ask the people then, if you're not happy where you are, what are you doing to change it? They don't have an answer. most people haven't thought of that they just go on doing the things that they have always done Les Brown says so first of all Einstein is credited with the definition of insanity right to continue doing what you've always done expect different results definition of insanity right we all have heard that right Einstein's the one who's credited with saying that but I love the way Les Brown says it. He goes, if you always do what you always did, you'll always get what you always got. Thank you, Les Brown. <laughs> I just love the way he says that. And he's right. There's another great saying from Einstein. You're going to hear me say it a lot. You're going to hear me quote Einstein a lot because surprisingly, I didn't realize this until I actually started looking into some of the quotes from Einstein. Einstein said, you can't solve a problem with the same thinking that created it. You are where you are in life today because of the choices and decisions that you have made 
nobody else. First and foremost, you have to accept that. Before you can change, before you can move on, you have to accept that. You got to get out of the blame because the blame stage does nothing for you to help you move on because then you're always placing the blame somewhere else and that makes you a victim which means it's not in your control and if you're ceding control then you can't change it you have to accept that you are to where you are today because of the choices you made now don't get me wrong i fully acknowledge that we all start at different starting places. But that shouldn't matter. What should matter is where do you want to be? Where do you see yourself? So I remember one time I was talking to this guy and he goes, well, how can I change? And I said, well, what do you want to change? He goes, everything. <laughs> and I was like, well, you got to be more specific. You can't just be that general. You can't just say everything. even though it might be everything. So, you know, the other day, I the last episode, I finished it with, you know, the adage of a thousand-mile journey begins with one step, right? We've heard, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You can't eat the whole elephant in one bite. you got to eat it one bite at a time. So what do you got to do? Well, what I tell people when they ask me that Where do you see yourself in 20 years? And if you're working someplace, look at somebody who's being, who's doing the job for 20 years longer than you and ask yourself, is that where I want to be 20 years from now? And if the answer is no, brother, you better run. Sister, you better get the f out of there. You need to move on to the next thing. You know, Gary Vee talks about it, you know. Where do you see yourself in 10, 15 years? Now, I'm older, so my timeline has shortened, which that means I also realize that my effort has to double, triple, quadruple. Because I don't have the same time that a 23-year-old, 24-year-old, hell, even my daughter who's 30. I told my daughter the other day, I said, I'm, I'm going to kill you. And facetiously, I said that. Let's, let's be real. My daughter has a gift. My daughter can organize 
the most organized person in the world, she can organize it them better. She can plan events. Everybody at her church sits there and gets her to plan their weddings. She is great. She's detail-oriented. She she loves those things. She She's making a gift from for my wife, her mother. And it is insane. And I told her, I says, you could do this for everybody. You could, you could make a website and literally people could go to your website and say, my biggest interest is German Shepherds, right? My nickname is Big Dog. And, and if you look at the picture of my thing, there's a big German Shepherd laying on the porch, right? I love German Shepherds, favorite breed of dog. One of the smartest breeds of dog there is. I had a German Shepherd a couple years ago. He died to cancer. We had to put him down. Favorite breed of dog. So she could do something and and make it and personalize it, you know, to to what I like to do. And she's really good at it. And I told her, and I've been telling her, that, you know, you got to live within your gift. We all have gifts. Steve Harvey talks about this a lot as well. And, and I'm just going to piggyback on what he says, right? If you're not living in your gift, that could explain the reason why you're struggling so much. I mean, do you understand that? Listen, it it took me a long time to understand it. But it also took me a long time to to get to a point. And this is now is the time for me because podcasts are something that we didn't have when I was 20 years old. If you wanted to use your voice like I'm using my voice now, you had to go into radio. It was really hard to get into radio. At least in this area it was. But you had to go into radio. And that has been a dream of mine for a while because I've been told that I've got a radio voice. I've actually had a DJ in my car. I took him to the airport one morning. He said, dude, you'd be great on the radio. I said, thank you. There's one problem, and it'll happen. I don't think it happened last episode. I don't know, and it almost happened this episode, but I f***ed it out. <laughs> I like to cuss. Probably have to go on Sirius XM or an internet radio, which, you know, won't care too much about cussing. I tell people in the 90s, I was 24 credit hours away from being an ordained minister. And other reasons that we'll get into in another show. But one of the biggest reasons why I stopped pursuing that was it wasn't my it wasn't my dream, but it was gonna utilize something, so that's why it was so tempting, tantalizing, right? It was a false dream, which happens to us a lot of times, right? 
we get we get this other dream in our head that we think that, that we're supposed to do this and 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 then we get several years down the road and realize no that's not and and then we get upset we get depressed because we feel like the one the two the three the four the five years that we invested into this other dream was wasted luckily i was went so to see 12 credit hours a semester so one i was only three years invested into the, the school and um and I realized that I didn't want to do it because I like to cuss. Could you imagine being up on Sunday preaching? Hey, that's I wanted to do that. You know, I wanted to stand in front of a group of people. In fact, in, in, in the early 90s, that's one of the reasons why I pursued that is because I, I, I had a dream that I was supposed to speak in front of groups of people. So... You know, I first thought one way, and that didn't work out. So then I thought maybe I was supposed to be a minister, and that didn't work out. And, and then I was lost for the next X number of years. But isn't it great? Here I am. I'm talking in front of people. Except they're all just listening to me on their... However, they're listening to podcasts. And I hope through word of mouth we're going to spread. And I hope more people listen. And I hope that more people will understand what I'm talking about. Those people that are going through the same struggle that I've gone through my entire adult life. But see, I, I wasn't living in my gift either. So even though I get mad at my daughter, I understand because for the most of my adult life, I didn't live with, in my gift. I'm an entrepreneur. I don't like working for other people. I, I find it tedious to have to sit there and deal with office politics. I find it tedious that when I'm outperforming five other people, just because somebody kissed the boss's ass in the right way, they get promoted over me and I'm better than they are in the job. Not as a person, but in, you know, the confines of the job, I do better work. Somebody else gets promoted. And I just, I can't deal with that. I'm, I think work should be work. If you want to be in politics, be in politics. I think, I think office politics sucks. And I think corporations that allow it to happen suck. And that's why so many people, another reason, you know, that people are frustrated, right? Because they go to work, they do their job. But Tommy over there, sorry to all the people named Tommy, but Tommy over there bought the boss's a, a, a gift for his anniversary because he knew when his anniversary was. Now, some people would sit there and say, well, that's actually pretty good on his part because he took the time to learn about his boss. He took the time to learn about his boss when he could have been out in the field with me doing the work and sitting there and, and earning the company money like I did. Now, maybe he does do that with the customers and, 
And if Tommy sits there and has better numbers than me, that's great. But if Tommy doesn't, and the only reason why he got the job is because he's been brown-nosing and hobnobbing with the boss, buying him gifts and going to a birthday party for his eight-year-old daughter, which has happened to me in the past. What are we doing? Why is that okay? It's not. And it wasn't Tommy. But, so, I mean, I'm just, I just used, that name just came to my top of my head. So I'd taken a little break and I listened back to what I'd said so far. And that last little bit <laughs> sounded awfully bitter, didn't it? It's not bitterness, though. Uh, maybe a little bit. Let's be honest, right? I'll be honest with you. Y'all be honest with me. I just don't like the games. That's the thing. And there's a lot of us out here that don't like the games you know, I'd, I'd rather you judge me, rate me, critique me all on just my performance, not whether or not I'm politicking. Politicking, as my daddy used to call it, politics in the office should not be there. Politics should be left to the politicians. However, it, it has something that has happened to me in the past. I'm sure it's happened to a lot of other people too. And probably a lot of other people have handled it better than I have. And I realize that. And isn't it funny the only thing that we truly 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 can control is the way we respond to things that happen in our life that we have no control over I mean there are some of the things that we can control and but most of it we don't but what we can control is our response to it and to be honest with you my response was not good in a lot of cases Remember, I worked for a grocery chain at one time, and the the manager had came in. He, I was in charge of the stock crew, and he put a gentleman on the stock crew who couldn't read. So I put that gentleman on the cereal aisle because, you know, it's just – Put Toucan Sam with Toucan Sam. Put Tony the Tiger with Tony the Tiger. And you obviously can sit there and see that, you know, oh, this the size of the box. You can, you know, you can, it's easy. He came in one morning because the, the dude had just started. He came in one morning and he started to berate him. The store was already open. He's yelling at this kid down the hall the aisle like what type of a manager does this so I go and get in his face 
the manager's face. And I'm like, dude, you got a problem with the people in my stock crew. You come to me. I know we all work for you, but if we have to follow the chain of command up, you should follow the chain of command down. I stood up to him. I got promoted. <laughs> Little did I know the promotion was a ruse. He couldn't get rid of me in the position I was in because I was good at that position. So he put me in an uncomfortable, unfamiliar position. Now, being young, I thought it was justified, even though I had some older people warning me that they didn't think I was ready for that step. And of course, looking back, you know, again, my mama used to always say it. I know it's not her saying, but my mom always said, hindsight is twenty twenty. So looking back, they were right. I was wrong. I was just, you know, like, oh, I deserve this. I've earned this. I didn't earned it at that point. I earned a portion of it, but I didn't earn that. Anyways, I was put into position I was unfamiliar, uncomfortable with. And then he set me up. And he set me up and he fired me. He got me fired. Uh, the details ain't important. My response was is when he and the district manager pulled me in is I, I threatened the life of the district manager. <laughs> that was my response. I, look, I'm, I'm just a hillbilly. My daddy's from the hills of Kentucky. I'm, I'm just a hillbilly at heart. You just don't do that shit. I, uh, but that's what I did. I threatened him. And years later, I tried to go back to work for the company. And I couldn't. And there was a manager that worked for the company that was the golden child. Right? He was, he was their chosen one. And he liked me. He and my wife still worked for the company. My wife worked for that company for over thirty years. And he liked my wife because of the work she did. And he liked me because he had worked with me once before. And, uh, when he was, you know, uh, not a store manager, a lower position, and he liked me. He tried to get me back in with. The golden child couldn't do it. I used to joke that even Jesus himself couldn't get me a job back at that company. But you, you see what I mean? That was my response. <laughs> now, there's some of you out there who might be laughing, going, like, I'd have done the same damn thing, knowing I was set up. And I, I knew I was set up. I knew the dude. They fired that manager a couple months later because they sent him to a Dale Carnegie, if you don't know who that is, look him up. Dale Carnegie wrote a great book. And, and, and that's something else that I'm going to be doing also during these things. I'm going to be talking about books, right? Uh, I read a lot. Um, he wrote a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And he actually has a course. Um, now, Dale, I don't think Dale Carnegie is alive anymore because he wrote uh, this book was written back in, I think, the 30s or the 40s, but it is still an awesome book. I try to read it once every two or three years, right, just to refresh. 
because there's so many great tips in there on how to deal and interact with people. He, um, they sent him to one of those courses, and he failed it. <laughs> like, like, how do you fail a Dale Carnegie course? I mean, like, legit. You just you sit in there, and, I mean, it's like there's no test. Or, <laughs> I just, I don't Anyways, you know, I was in my 20s. I, I just, I didn't know how to react. I didn't know how to respond, right? Um, and, and, and hence is the reason, like I said, you know, years later when I tried to get a job back with that company, uh, I couldn't. And it would have been great. And then I also look back and, and not to live in retrospect, right? Or to live with regret. Regret prevents us from moving forward, right? We, we, and I know there's some of you out there that are living in regret and you need to let it go, right? But looking back, you know, would I have done some things differently? Of course, but that doesn't mean that there's regret there. Um, there there's actually still at 52 28 years later or however old I was when this happened let's see 1991 92 so I was born in 67 so 24 25 yeah so you know 20 28 27 years ago there's still a little part of me even though I've matured and mellowed a little just a little there's part of me that really still wishes that I would reach across and smack the shit out of him. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I but I, it, you know, I would have caught a charge, and that would have been not good. But we got to sit there, and and you know, we got to look, you know, and go back to the whole thing. You know, you have to admit you are where you are. It's the first step because of you. Les Brown sits there and says, your life is a movie. It is a success or a bomb because of you. Because you're the producer. You're the director. You're the star of the movie. You're the screenwriter. It is totally dependent upon you. beautiful thing though is that you can send it back at any time for a rewrite how many of you are sending it back for a rewrite or how many of you just sit there and think this is your lot in life and this is what you've got to deal with it's not i'm telling you and 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 listen i'm on that journey with you guys i'm on that journey of self-discovery i'm on the journey of 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 you know realizing that things i should have done in my 20s and 30s, I didn't do. So now I have to do now. And I don't have as much time as you guys. But I'm doing it. So what's your excuse? Now, I, the only thing that I will capitulate, like me, okay? So, again, I go back to the statement. I am where I am because of the choices and decisions I made. You are where you are because of those those choices and decisions that you made. 
there's only one other group of people that influences you and also has a hand in where you end up in life. And that's your parents, right? And that's because they're there. They're the ones who lay the foundation. You know, I remember once when I was in counseling, I was talking and the, and the guy kept wanting to talk about my parents and it kept upsetting me. I'm like, I'm not one of these people that's, you know, 30 years old and wants to blame everything on my parents. And he was like, that's not what I'm trying to get you to do either. He says, but you got to understand your decision making process has a foundation somewhere. And that foundation is the way your parents raised you. Once you accept that and you understand that, then you can understand why at times you make the decisions and choices you make. I remember I had a writer and I got into an argument about them, about the fact that everybody has the same choices. And I, I believe that, but let me amend that. Because of where we start out is different. I, I believe that people are, are start out at a different level of choices, right? And there used to be this game. I don't remember the name of it. Computer game. Um, and you could you could make... It would give you choices in certain situations, right? So, like, you would pick up this new party member and, and it would be a female. So it says, flirt with female, which could lead you down a whole other path, right? Or just be cold to female and, and all these other things, right? But the decisions you can make were either good decisions or bad decisions, evil decisions. So you could sit there in your party because your party followed you, then they would sit there and, and, and depending upon, you know, the characteristics of the party, like one time I played the game and I made all evil decisions and I had a character who was a paladin. Well, paladins are lawfully good for those of you who play um, Dungeons and Dragons or any of those type of games. Paladins are lawfully good, which means they cannot abide by any form of evil, right? So once it got to the point where he looked, he left the party. He was like, I can't. He left and he fought me. Like, dude, like, really? <laughs> like, damn. <laughs> but, but as that game progressed, once you got to a certain point, point the choices were no longer between good and evil it was just degrees of good or degrees of evil you understand what i'm saying so because of the game's algorithms if you made oh i'm going to be good 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 then there comes after 10 choices there comes two choices one of them's super good one of them's only slightly good but it's still good after 20 choices you know the the degree of separation is even smaller and that happens in real life as well 
you know, when you make a choice, and let's use criminality, all right? Let's, so let's say you're 12, 13, 14 years old, and you decide to shoplift. I did. And I got away with it. So I did it again. And I got away with it again. So I did it again. And I got away with it again. And I kept doing it because I got really good at it and I never got caught. Now, but what, let's say that I had got caught. As a minor, they would have probably just sit there and smacked my hand and gave me to my parents and my daddy would have whooped my ass. He used to always say, boy, I ain't raising a thief or a liar. And here I was stealing, right? But he, um, but let's say it got worse, right? Let's say I was 16, 17, 18 years old and the shoplifting packs of gum and stupid little stuff like that out of a convenience store. It wasn't even, you know, you know, big things, big items, baseball cards. I stole a pack of baseball cards from Roses one time. Like I said, stupid little things. Like it really wasn't even worth getting a record for these things, right? The biggest thing I remember stealing, I was in high school and I um, shoplifted Back then, the 7-Elevens used to have uh, kegs of beer, half kegs, actually. They had pony kegs and half kegs, right? It was a half keg of beer, and I remember I shoplifted a half keg of beer. Um, I had some help. I didn't, you know, didn't do it myself. I didn't just, like, throw it, pick it up, and just carry it out. Uh, there was two of us. We picked it up and carried it out. <laughs> and a third one distracted the person behind the register. And this was at a time, too, when 7-Eleven didn't have cameras. So it was like, just keep him distracted. We're gone. Nobody's going to know the difference, right? But the thing is, is that, let's, so let's say that I graduated. Because of that success, I graduated to the point where I started breaking into people's houses, Right? And I didn't pay attention and broke into somebody's house who wasn't gone. And they were believers of the Second Amendment. And he shot me. Now my choices kept getting limited, limited, limited. Because, you know, I kept choosing to shoplift and I kept getting away with it. And so the choices, the, and it's not so much that the, that the choices narrowed. But what narrowed was my view Understand? It's the view of of the scope of what you can view as what you can sit there and, and relate to, right? Luckily, when I was 18, an incident occurred, and, and, uh, and it woke, woke me up. And that was the last time. And I didn't even shoplift that time. Um, but that was the last time that... Uh, I was even tempted to shoplift. And um, and I'm sure I'll talk about it at some point. I want to give all my stories away in the first two, two episodes. What did I talk about? 
But um, but you know, so first step: take ownership, take responsibility. We we are where we are. And then I always I always tell people in my car. You have to dream in such detail. See, I don't think enough people dream in detail. They they have these vague dreams. In fact, I, you know, it's just it's it, it it's surprising how like you know what, a question I've been asking a lot of people in my car and they can't answer it. And I'm like I'm surprised. You know, I mean, okay, I understand the earl the younger ones. You know, the ones under 26, 27 years old. But the ones over 26, 27, I had a guy 30 years old in my car. He says, I don't know what I want to do with my life. You're 30. How do you not know what you want to do with your life? But that's your life. But I ask people, if I'm a recruiter coming to recruit you for your perfect dream job that you want to do for the rest of your life, what is that? And about 70% of the people cannot answer that question. Actually, I think it's a little bit higher. But I'll just go with 70%. I haven't sit there and actually kept numbers. You know what I'm saying? So, But but 70% of the people can't answer that. Why? We are producing a generation where we tell these kids, just go to college and get a job. We're not telling them to chase their dreams anymore. Let me, let, me tell, let me tell you, I used to say this years ago. Let me, let me explain to you how powerful one man with a dream is. Maybe you're listening to me on your cell phone. Do you think Alexander Graham Bell envisioned cell phones? But he had a dream of being able to communicate to people with their voice over lines that, so that they didn't have to be face-to-face. That was his dream. So easier form of communication, right? Maybe you're listening to me in your house. And you got the lights on. You're doing something. Maybe you're you know, in the kitchen and and you're cooking or whatever you're doing, right? Now those lights, one man, Thomas Edison, actually two men, right? Him and and, um, Tesla, right? They they both envisioned electricity to get us away from the kerosene oil that was used for lights, right? Now, with these electrical lights, electricity, that would free up so much, right? One man changed the course of history, changed, you know, a lot of things. Listen, before they came up with those lights, you didn't play baseball after the sun went down. It wasn't until lights were invented that they had night games, right? Come on. I mean, you can't really throw a baseball head up somebody if you can't see them 60 feet away because it's so damn dark. It's extremely not safe. 
let's move forward. In the 1970s, two men, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, had a vision because up until that point, computers were just a work thing. People just had computers at work. But they saw the potential that computers could have in the home. So they, through their vision, and now everybody has home computers, some form of computer in the home. I mean, not everybody, but the huge majority, right? Come forward a little bit more. One college student envisioned a way for people to interact with each other socially on the computer. Created Facebook, changed the way the interaction happens. Now, some of us old timers sit there and look at this new generation and we go tut, 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 right? Because, you know, that's what we do when we don't understand something, right? And we complain about it and we sit there and say, it's just not good. These kids today, they don't know how to interact. No, they do know how to interact in the way that they know how to interact. It's not the same as the way we used to interact. It's different. Doesn't mean it's better. Doesn't mean it's worse. It's just different. You know, I remember my dad told me that when he was growing up, his, his parents didn't want him to listen to Elvis Presley. It was the devil music, right? And then I grew up in, in the 70s, and there was a band I liked, Kiss, because they, you know, they sit there and they had that black and white makeup on, and my mom and dad didn't want me. To, they, my mom, back then, they had this uh, Columbia Record House um, club, where every month they would send you two or three records. And you get to choose those two or three records, right? If you don't choose one, they send one automatically, but you can send that back and no charges, right? Okay, if you keep it, blah, 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 then you get charged. But my mom would, you know, make choices every month or every couple months and every, in between. She wouldn't make any choices and send the one record that they would send back, right? We weren't allowed to get KISS. Because, you know, KISS stood for Knights and Satan's Service. So we weren't allowed to get them. We wasn't allowed to get Ozzy because, you know, we wasn't allowed to get that type of music. You know, and there's music that my kids listen to that I just, I don't get. But I don't ever sit there and say, don't listen to that music. I have caught myself saying, no, that's not music. That's crap. What we listened to was music. <laughs> I was like, damn, to sound like my parents. I think it's a trap. I think my kids will say that to their kids. But you know, the thing is, though, getting off topic here, I warned y'all. The thing is, though, is that the decisions, right? So your decision-making process is, is then uh, based, you know, on the foundation of your parents. And then you have to... You have to be able to dream. So accept where you are and then dream in as much vivid detail. And don't just dream. Write it down. 
there's something, there is some power in writing it down. Write it down. When you write it down, you give it legs. Because then it's, they're solid. You know, otherwise it's just in your head and it's just this idea floating around, running around there. But when you write it down, it's, you've given it legs. You've given it form, right? You've, you've given it some sustenance, right? Some substance. Write it down. And then once you've done those two things, I, I tell people, here's a third thing, right? Wherever you are along those first two steps, get right? Think, how, depending on how old you are, think 10, 15, 20 years in the future. And I want you to get a journal and I want you to write in as much detail as you can your perfect day. Your perfect day once you have become successful. So, so there's three things, and actually... For some of y'all who, who are sitting there thinking like, well, there's actually a fourth thing hidden in there. And you're right, there is, right? So one, you have to take responsibility. Boom. Two, you have to dream. Vivid dreams. And three, you have to write it down. Not only write your dreams down, but write down where you see yourself in 20 years. Your perfect day. By doing that, you're also defining what success means to you. That's the fourth thing, right? You are defining what success means to you. And success to each person is different. Some of you out there, you don't need to become Jeff Bezos rich, right? You don't need that. That's not you. And that's cool. You don't need to become famous like, I don't know, somebody who's famous, right? <laughs> I mean, there's lots of them, right? You don't need that. Maybe what you need, what your level of success is, is wife and two and a half kids and dog and you know, car and house that you're not in debt for. Really good job where you're respected and you feel fulfilled. Maybe that's what it is for you. And that is totally fine. But you got to define it. Otherwise, how are you going to know when you get there? Now, once you have those things, I, you know, well, let, let me say it this way. So I, I just watched a great video the other day. And it was talking about Denzel Washington. And, and the, the person whoever edited it put it together some of the most inspirational, motivational things that Denzel Washington has said. And, he, and he's right. 
And this is one of the reasons why I said write it down, right? So he goes, dreams without goals have no power. And I'm paraphrasing. They're, it's nothing, right? And he's right. You know, you got you, you, you to have the goals. The goals is the street map. You know, yeah, I know everybody nowadays sits there and has their cell phone, their GPS. You still have to put in the address where you're going, right? If you don't ever put in an address and you sit there and say, GPS, how do I get? Boom. And put, you know, and then they're like, well, where do you want to go? Um, I don't know. Anywhere. I don't know how to get to anywhere. You got to have a roadmap. And these are the first things that you have to do. And if you notice successful people, the truly successful people, these are all things that they practice on a daily basis, some of them. So we, you know, you, you got to sit there and, and you got to start somewhere. So make a decision, right? Accept responsibility. Dream. Dream big. If your dreams aren't waking you up in the dead of night, like the song that I told you about the other one, Need to Breathe, Happiness. If your songs, if your dreams ain't waking you up in the dead of night telling you you ain't made for the simple life, you are not dreaming big enough. You got to dream so big it aches. And I'm speaking because I know because I'm that's how big I'm dreaming right now. It aches that I'm not there yet. But I'm getting there. Anyways, that's that's all for today, guys. Uh, I've enjoyed this second episode in the can, so to speak, as they say, I guess. I don't know. Join me next time. Come on back to Big Dog's Porch. <laughs>